With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey folks, welcome into the On Wavelength podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma. Patrick Mooney is on game duty as we are our regular Thursday recording schedule would normally not at all be like a game related conflict, but the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates are having their home opener today at an exceedingly odd time, particularly for folks in the central time zone. And they happen to be hosting the Cubs, which means that we're recording in the early afternoon and the Cubs are going to kick off in about 25 minutes. So it'll be an interesting pod that we will do our best to ensure that it will be interesting to you regardless of the outcome of today's game, which you may or may not be in the middle of watching by the time you're listening to this, or you just watched it and you can't believe that after those first six games, the Cubs just notched 27 hits in a single game. Can you believe it's a hot Dave? Wow. You're, you're taking the over Brett. You're taking the over. On, yeah, said, on what, what are we yeah, going with? Three and a half. Yeah. I said it, it, no, yesterday. yeah, it was funny for the, for the, <laughs> for the series finale against the Brewers. And I mean, obviously everybody knows that the, the big talking point coming out of that series. And of course the series that preceded it against the pirates to open the season uh, is it's not just that the Cubs offense is performing um, uh, quite poorly at the moment through six games, you know, all, all appropriate caveats. It's that sort of specifically they're just not getting hits. And, you know, for as much as we talk about all of the peripheral statistics and all of the things that go into offense, not making outs um, as, as the fundamental aspect, sometimes you are reminded that, oh yeah, hits baseball. It's like, you're supposed to get <laughs> hits. And when a team is just fundamentally not getting hits at all, it, um, it, it especially in an era where we're already seeing, uh, obviously, the tremendous creep of strikeouts, walks, and home runs, if there's just, like, no hits, boy, that really stretches out. And it is like, wh- what are they doing? This is uh, really <laughs> painful to watch. Yeah, I mean, just some of the numbers are kind of... Uh... I don't know if painful or laughable, depending on your mood. (laughs) Will the Cubs team batting average exceed pitchers batting average in baseball by the end of today's game? That's the big question, because right now they're they're behind by about 20 points. They are trailing the Cubs as a team (laughs) are trailing pitchers in batting average uh, by about 20 points. And that's excluding Otani. He's he's counts as a DH for that conversation. Oh, geez. And that's I mean, they have the same amount of hits as the Nationals, fewer hits than the Mets. Uh, And keep in mind, both those teams had their their first series of the season wiped out and the Nationals have played two seven inning games. So, uh, I mean, it's just silly things like that. It's just over the top and, and kind of embarrassing. And I know it's six games. But these are issues we've been talking about uh, for months now that that carried over from last year. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, 
give up all hope and the offense is what it is and and there's no chance of them getting better i'm just saying there's there's if you're concerned about about the offense and and think it's a major issue going forward who who can really argue with you on that how how can you make a legitimate argument other than it's just saying it's early be patient sure but we have a lot of evidence that this offense struggles and and the fact that I think we can't dismiss what happened last year, right? As far as uh, the mental aspect of 2020, how hard uh, it may have been for guys that six games in saying, oh no, uh, there's so, we're through 10% of the season, I got to get my numbers up, right? So that mental aspect isn't impacting them this year, hopefully. Uh, so so they should be able to kind of find their rhythm. I, I Just looking back at uh, what day is today, Thursday, Wednesday's game, when you talk about, I, I I appreciated Jock Peterson's post game press conference and and kind of what he said to us. What I loved the most was kind of his analysis analysis of why he's struggled early on. And you wrote you, you know, wrote an excellent piece on that, by the way, uh, at theathletic.com in the Cubs section. So folks, I want to check that out. But please proceed. Yeah, I mean, I I was interested, and in, uh, he gave such a good answer. I was kind of impressed because. Uh, I, I basically asked him, you know, why can you pinpoint why you had a great spring and why it hasn't really carried over? I, you know, sometimes that feels like it can feel like a dumb question, right? Like spring doesn't matter. None of that stuff should matter. I'm working on a bunch of different things. And, and then you come to the real games and it's tougher pitchers. So it's expected. Right. But he gave a pretty thoughtful and and really, I thought, uh, interesting answer in the fact that. He was working on changes in the spring, and and they worked out well, right? We saw what like a eighteen hundred OPS, fourteen hundred OPS, something crazy, right? And and he was doing great, but he never struggled. He never had to make adjustments. He never had to uh, say, okay, I'm doing these new things. How do I adjust? I know how I adjust the the old way when I when I used to struggle in with my previous approach. Now I have a slightly altered approach. How do I adjust? And it took him a few games. I thought uh, just watching him, I, I you know, I, sh- I share that gif in my piece about that awkward swing on the fastball. I'm not sure if you saw him, Brett, but I saw it in the previous games, too. I was wondering, like, what is wrong with this guy? It's one of those things that he looked very late clubhouse access. Very yeah, late on fastballs. Very late on fastballs. Like he was guessing wrong and just trying to quickly adjust and and foul it off right like i got a battle here and uh oh it's a fastball i was not expecting fastball and and awkward swing right through heat down the middle often uh it's one of those things that you know if if we had clubhouse access you would have just like uh, quickly touched base with them you know not don't want to overreact it's a few games in but uh you know what? What's what's going on with the fastballs there? It seems like he had some defensive swings. You're still trying to find your timing, and I'm sure, given what he said over over uh, Zoom, he he would have given us a solid answer. But I think I think some stuff like that is fair to say. Okay, this guy needed to adjust and, and needed to learn how he adjusts with his new approach, and he and he maybe found his timing. Let's see if Jock Peterson can get on a hot stretch. I, I think there, it's fair to kind of look at. Hey, Ian Happ's made some solid contact and has, and the ball hasn't fallen a ton. Uh, but then you look at other guys, and and it's like, what what is going on? I don't know what's going on with Anthony Rizzo. I I've watched Anthony Rizzo a lot, and I've seen him, you know, go through tough stretches. 
but for some reason this one feels different or looks different to me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm putting my own thoughts into his into his play as far as maybe pressing for a contract or or just trying to get off to a good start for uh, so this team isn't broken up come July. All those different things. I, I start to wonder what's going on, but I don't want to put those thoughts in his head when he hasn't come out and said that. Uh, but it, it does, he looks off to me. That's one of the guys that I'm kind of surprised by. And it, and it looks like more of the same from Javi too, which is, which has to be frustrating for fans. Yeah. I, I think what's been observable with respect to, to Rizzo, I mean, he, he isn't making good contact right now. And um, you would look at normally six games, 15, 15 to 20 plate appearances, and you wouldn't really think much of it, but he's expressing visually a level of frustration that you wouldn't expect from him in, in that brief of a, a period of struggles. So that's kind of what stands out. It's less about the results or how he looks, even if you could look at it and say, ah, he looks not quite right. It's it's that I think at least twice now we've seen him really get aggravated visually uh, slamming his helmet, uh, you know, upset with an umpire and just sort of in ways that you might see from him in the deep depths of one of his um, slumps, which we've seen from him many times and he comes out of it. Um, but so, so that's, that is certainly why it stands out with Javi. I mean, I think that it, the, the issues that we're seeing look very familiar and that's concerning. Um, you know, just sort of very fundamentally extending his zone so dramatically. And, um, you know, I don't know how you, that's part of his game. Um, and you can't, you're not going to completely eliminate it for him, particularly in his late twenties and he's had success and kind of just want to let him do his thing. But it, it, that approach failed him so badly last year. And, and, and we want to believe in the, explanations for the 2020 season but what this year is going to provide particularly in the first half is a lot of opportunities for people to either accept those narratives or dismiss them and 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 it might be completely unfair because you know we know the nature of baseball being erratic Uh, but the reality is if Javi has serious contact problems in the first half serious issues going way out of the zone people are going to look at that 2020 season a lot differently, I think. And that for him is probably very concerning too, because he's had, you know, he's in a walk year and, you know, we've talked about this before and I'm not going to make this a whole big extension thing. I just want to make the point that Jed Hoyer made a point to say quite a bit before the season began, the the walk year idea and the idea that uh, it can at the margins, and we've looked at the data, there's a little data to support it, that at the margins, uh, you know, a guy's work perhaps in the offseason in the year before the walk year can um, improve his performance at the margins. The flip side of that is some guys, and we've seen this too, when they get the comfort and the security of knowing that they don't have to fear what's going to come next for their security, uh, maybe play a little more comfortably and don't feel that pressure and don't feel pressed. And, you know, I'm not going to be the one to start up that storyline with respect to Javi, but I'm smart enough to know that that's going to become a talking point. And it, I don't know. You wonder how this, how the situation that the Cubs have 
foisted upon a lot of these players and the construction of this team, you just wonder how it's going to impact different guys differently, particularly when they do get off to a slow start, and particularly when they do have in the back of their head, ah, I had a really bad 2020, but I was I convinced myself it was just about the lack of video and the lack of fans and the lack of time to adjust and all those things. What if it wasn't? What if I'm actually losing it? Um, it's just, you know, I hope that instead it's just six games. It's just six games. It's just six games. I hope that message lands quite a bit more firmly right now and then get some good bounces here and there. And then that kind of puts it all to bed. Yeah, you. I mean, uh, I 100% agreed there that uh, the players, you have to hope. Someone was uh, kind of annoyed with me that I was using last year's numbers to kind of carry over the struggles for this year. And and, and ultimately, their point was, which I agree with, and I completely disagree with the idea that I'm not allowed to use those numbers because when they're similar issues, it, it kind of paints a picture, right? Uh, but... Ultimately, he, he his point was, well, the players can't use those numbers for last year. They have to focus on this year. I 100% agree with that. I don't want any player, uh, you know, regardless of team, regardless of who you are, don't overthink things and start thinking about last year's numbers and last year's struggles. Uh, focus on the fact that it's six games. Focus on the fact that you have 162 games to play this year. You want them to 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 be focused on the fact that this is a marathon once again. This is normal baseball. We go through ups and downs. Nobody would be paying attention to these six games if it was the middle of June, right? And I was and I thought Jock Peterson said that great as well. Uh, you know, it, nobody would care. He's like, I wouldn't care if it was June and and I was hitting 280 and had 25 homers, right? I, I wouldn't care about this slump because it'd be like, okay, oh I'll God. get back. If he had 25 <laughs> homers by June, you're darn right I wouldn't care. Yeah, I'd, right? I'd, You'd I'd be pumped. I'd start counting down the record books. So there's, I mean, and he, and he admitted he was putting pressure on himself. He's like, I'm in a new town. I, I All these fans have expectations for me. I want to perform for them. And I'm and I haven't been so there's pressure. On, so I'm putting pressure on myself. And he said there's pressure on everybody. We all have pressure. And and he's right. I appreciate that he can admit that and and not say like oh we're nobody's worried. Nobody has pressure on them. This is this is easy. This is baseball. Well, we all know it's 162. You're you're gonna put pressure on yourself at times. It's about uh trying to kind of balance that and and figure out how uh you do need to remind yourself that yes it's 162. Okay. I'm putting a little bit too much pressure on myself. Let's ease back here. Maybe getting away from Wrigley is what they need. Maybe just facing the Pirates pitching staff again is what they need. I know they didn't feast off them early, obviously, but uh, you know, a second go around against a team that's supposed to be the worst in baseball, and and I don't think they've uh, uh, you know, dissuaded anyone on that with their performance of late. Uh, especially against the Reds, the Reds look like uh, world beaters on offense facing that Pirates, Pirates team. Uh, so, so let's see if the Cubs can get rolling again, uh, rolling for once, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the then offense. obviously it's a it's a lose lose situation for them potentially in terms of the way people talk about the team because if they turn it around and they rake this weekend, it's like ah, well, it's just the Pirates it doesn't mean anything. And of course, if they don't. Oh, my Lord. Then then the continued <laughs> tracking of the Cubs results relative to the rest of baseball and to the pitchers of baseball will continue. And of course, I participate in that because what else are you going to do right now? You have to have a little bit of 
dark fun yeah, with it. Cause... Exactly. I was about to say, like, I, I'd much rather they, they be this type of bad for our purposes than like middle of the road offense it's like uh they're just kind of uh they're just kind of bad like let's get some extreme stuff going on here so we can joke about how they have 21 hits and and they have eight singles brett eight singles like six games yeah (laughs) they had the stretch where and i do i think this is okay what was Chris Davis. So he had the sort of record hitless streak, right? Was it was it about fifty three at bats? Does that sound right to you? Something like that. I thought it went to like sixty something, but okay, maybe it got into the sixty else. But and the Cubs, the Cubs, of course, did not. They weren't quite that bad, but they did have a stretch at one point where they were up to, I believe, one for fifty one as a team. And when you start thinking about how difficult it would be if you tried to go one for 51 with only it's not like they struck out half of the time elevated. Sure. But I think they only are striking out what, like 28 percent of the time. I mean, that's, it's, it's not crazy. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not bad, good, but it's, but it's yeah. So, yeah, to go one for 51, it, it takes a really unique combination of um, really poor contact and really bad luck. And so uh, that's kind of where it is. And we'll see some natural regression, but but certainly they're going to have to make better contact. We you, let's leave that there because it's we've hit the general points of that discussion, and I think we both agree that it hasn't been good, but it's been six games, and you can't take away too much from six games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay. So transitioning, I want to take away too much from six games because the pitching has been fantastic. So, <laughs> I mean, they're locked in. The Cubs, the Cubs clearly figured out a way to cre- create the, a cheap, dominant rotation. They're doing it again with the bullpen, and uh, I mean, they're just—it's going to be like this the rest of the way, right? <laughs> well, you know, I—I I think it's—I think it's hard to deny that they clearly have. Re- have figured stuff out at the major league level when it comes to maximizing their pitching. This happens year after year after year. People complain about the bullpen, but look at how it stabilizes relatively quickly. Uh, Last year, I think it got off to an awful start, and and by September, they were one of the best bullpens in baseball. Uh, 2019, I know outside of Kimbrell, they they settled down, and and the bullpen was actually pretty solid. It happens year after year, really, with with this team. They they sometimes have a, you know, a mishmash of, of arms there, but, but they kind of somehow put it together and it, and it goes from either like weakness to strength or really bad piece to, to not so bad. Uh, and, and rarely do they have these superstars in there. I think they actually have a nice combo of like upside guys that we don't really know about and some pretty solid names uh, that they're, that they're getting back to their peak form. Uh, I would also like caution a, a lot of these guys are up and down, right? We're seeing bad Jason Adam right now. He could very easily lock it in and, and be dominant. We're seeing really great dominant uh, Chafin, right? Andrew Chafin right now. Just be careful. I know Cubs fans love him right now. This guy's going to drive you nuts. At some point, he will drive a Cubs fans nuts. Only and, if he shaves. Uh, <laughs> Only if he shaves. Yeah, yeah. 
but I, I've I've heard it from Diamondbacks fans uh, before. Uh, he he's going to lose it a little bit and, and not be locked in with the stuff and the walks and the lack of command is going to infuriate you for for a stretch. But he's he's a very set like this is what he is when he's locked in a dominant setup man from the left side. Uh, which is nice to see. Obviously, there's some there. There are you know there are questions like you know Brandon Workman. Now it's like been up down, up down. I, I don't know what what that means. Was it just one bad pitch really to to Kane or what what was it? Uh, but yeah, the pitching's been really good. I mean, Alzali. People were complaining about Alzali after one inning. I thought he really locked it in after after that home run. Right? Yeah, it wasn't I mean, even looked great. It wasn't even the whole inning. It was like he gave up no. the home run and then. He would he it nastily struck out the next two batters. Yeah, and and I mean that that's that's someone with upside there that could be around for a while. You really want to keep an eye on him and see how he progresses. Uh, that that has meaning much beyond twenty twenty one, in my opinion, for him. So yeah, I, I I'm not surprised that the pitching is is good. It it has a I feel like they have a floor that that is is decently high i don't know what the ceiling is just because you know you don't have that true swing and miss ace at the front of the rotation that i i think you need to be a dominant team you know like a really great team uh needs one of those needs a you darvish at the front of their rotation right uh obviously that that's not the case this year with the cubs but they have i think all these guys are very solid to above average, you know, so let's see how good Alzali can be. But the rest of them, I think, are very good pitchers. I don't think there's there's so you can point to a pitcher and say, like, that guy's just not good. And he's going to give you four innings of bad baseball. and It's going to screw up your bullpen. Yeah, every once in a while, that's going to happen. And, and, you know, to any of these guys like we saw with Hendricks uh, on opening day. But for the most part, I, I like this group a lot uh, and, and think it's uh, pitching and defense looks to be shaping up to be the strength once again. If you can just get average offense, that works out well. Usually, if you have a terrible offense, uh, not so well. <laughs> yeah, it. Um, I mean, I guess that's how you end up three and three against uh, you know in the games that you've played, um, despite looking so egregiously bad offensively. Still managed to win three games. I mean, could be a lot worse in that respect. Uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward, giving all the the pitching success, where we know that the Cubs have a lot of really interesting good depth options uh, that they're going to want to get into the mid. You know, they're going to want to get some starts for Shelby Miller at some point. Pedro Strope was actually looking pretty darn good in spring training. And so you kind of maybe want to have him back. But it, right now it's like, how are you making that happen? And so it'll be interesting to see creatively how the Cubs spread that around because you're going to have to do it anyway for innings purposes. So um, and Dylan, you know. Dylan Maples wasn't terrible. Am I remembering that right? Was no, he, he, he was good. No, in his outing, it was fascinating. I so he uh, was clearly getting stretched out in spring training for multi-inning purposes, which I understand a lot of people would think that's very strange because he strikes you as a very traditional one-inning type. But here's the thing: without options, but with killer stuff, the Cubs wanted to keep Dylan Maples. Okay, so in a world where you're like, okay, we want to keep him just in case it really finally clicks with this new delivery, but we also don't want to expose him too much. So how about we turn him into a two inning guy and he's our sort of mop up long reliever type. And I tweeted when 
uh, Alzali gave up that three-run homer in the first, I was like, well, I think we're going to see a couple innings from Maples today. And a lot of people were like, what are you talking about? And I guess, so I guess maybe it had been obvious to me, but it wasn't obvious to everyone yet that that's the role he's going to fill for a while. He's going to be sort of the, eh, we got to cover some innings, get him up because it will give you a safe environment in which to evaluate him and see how he's doing maybe a little less stress on him while he works through this new delivery. And so, um, I think it's, it, it's great. It's logical. And he looked really good in his two innings of work. I mean, he walked a couple cause that's what he does, but he also struck out four. So, um, <laughs> if I, but if I'm remembering correctly, those weren't like the egregious, uh, Dylan Maples has completely lost at walks, right? No, like no. It, Com- I think we, maybe we a those couple what? of the pitches were like competitive, competitive. Yeah. Competitive yeah. walks basically. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you'll take that. You'll take that from him. It's a nice little mini step and you hope there aren't the normal step backs that we we inevitably I feel like we've seen with him throughout his career where it's like, oh, that was a nice inning. Step forward for Maples. And then the next outing, it's like six walks and, and you can't get anyone out and, and you're <laughs> losing your um, mind. Okay. So should we, okay, let's uh maybe, maybe a couple emails kind of. Yeah, let's get, do that. Move, move to that. We, I got to say, really appreciate it, folks. We've been getting, we didn't know how this was going to go. When we, when you put out the call for emails, there's nothing worse than when you're like, oh yeah, all these people are just waiting to email us. And then it's total crickets in your inbox. So we really appreciate it. Um, and we want to give the love by reading these and also just encouraging other folks that if you have comments, questions, feedback, whatever that you want to come directly to us and maybe appear on the pod, uh, you're going to send those to wavelandathletic at gmail.com. Uh, for example, Alex, who sent us an email and very astutely referred to our, our third host, Patrick Mooney, as Gallagher, if you were listening last <laughs> week. So the emails to, hey, Brett Sahadev and Gallagher. Uh, Alex from Indianapolis here. Uh, love the show. Brett, been a longtime BN reader. Thanks for all you do and thanks for all the hard work. I can't think of a team with higher variance than this Cubs team. It seems like everyone on the roster, with a few exceptions, is just as likely to have an all-star season as they are to have a replacement level season. What are some of the early signs, either for individuals or the offense slash pitch, pitching as a whole, that you will look for as an indication that things are trending positively? So we'll go a little forward looking on that as opposed to like what we've already seen. And, you know, let I, I'll take an easy one and say like with a guy like Chris Bryant, where you have tremendous variance in the possible outcomes where you, I mean, you have like MVP level, literal upside versus kind of what we saw last year. Ding play through some injuries. And it's just, so honestly, it's mostly health for him. If he stays healthy, I really feel like he's going to produce. And I really feel like he's going to produce at a very high level. But while you could say that about a lot of players with him, the injuries just seep. What's the way to say it? Not that they impact him more. It's that we've just seen him so frequently playing through long-term injuries and we can see what the deleterious outcome is. So that's what I'm mostly looking for him is that not just on the field. I'm not saying when I say healthy, I don't mean just able to play. I mean like fully feeling great and good to go. And that's when I think you're going to see all-star level Chris Bryant. Yeah, and and you know we we, we kind of talked about Javi, but just watch for him. He's going to chase. He's going to strike out a lot, but watch wait, for him going the you? other way. I got to interrupt yeah, yeah. you, Sadif, because I'm going to do e- another email real quick because it's about Javi. So then you can just make the oh, same point okay. and sort of synergize them together. Okay? Perfect. So uh, this is Sean, uh, and Sean writes, uh, "Hey guys, obligatory by the way. I'm not making and I'm not making fun of Sean or Alex, uh, but it's just a 
I don't know if other other fans of other teams do this. You, you have to tell people how long you've been a fan. It's like it's a required <laughs> part of the introduction. You know, hey, been a fan for this amount of time. Uh, and and fortunately for Sean, he too has been a Cubs fan for thirty plus years. So he's he has met the criteria. You're you're if you <laughs> if it was like twenty years, I'd be like Sean. I'm questioning your commitment. Uh, you've only been only been with this team for twenty years. Hey guys, I've been a Cubs fan for thirty plus years. Love your work on the podcast. My question piggybacks off your Javi Bias talk on the last podcast. I understand that on base is an important stat, 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 uh, but it, I don't think it tells you the whole thing about a hitter. I remember going back to Starlin Castro and how they were working with Starlin Castro to go deeper into counts, and that just wasn't who he was as a hitter. He is for decent average, and the OBP is never going to be elite. Uh, A little more about Castro comparing could be that Baez is a similar hitter with more power. I personally think trying to get Starlin to take more pitches and be patient ruined him and messed up his head. That is, of course, my opinion. Just curious your thoughts as it relates to Javi Baez. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, so go with that that how you will. Sure. Well, I mean, okay. First of all, what what do we need to see for Javi to be kind of locked in? Is is going the other way, hitting for power, line drives into the gaps, uh, especially into right center. Once you start seeing that, you you start to see him kind of locked in on offense, right? Uh, and and we've seen already what he can do on the base paths. We know what he can do defensively. I think too. Uh, was it Sean? It was Sean's point. Um, well, first of all. Here's the thing. He's an elite defender, so he ju- he just needs to be average on offense to be really, really valuable. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's what he kind of is for most of his career uh, is kind of like an average to slightly below average offensive player uh, who is it can play all over the field, really. But it's an elite defender at shortstop. Uh is he? Uh, do we overvalue on base percentage? Yeah, you can you can focus on that too much for certain players. I agree that sometimes you just need to let players be who they are. I, I think of and I think I have this right. Uh, Adam Jones, if you look at his peripherals when he was at his best, they're, they're the type of peripherals that you say like this guy. What, what you know? I'm I'm concerned about him. This isn't gonna last type thing. And he put up what like a peak of like six, seven, eight years. That was really good, like All Star level. I think he may have been like a borderline, uh, just below MVP level for a couple years there. Uh, but there are certain players where you just stop obsessing about those things. Uh, either, either they have something about them that makes them dangerous in, in different ways, or it's just not a part of their game and they can still be valuable. It's, I, I'm not saying that on-base percentage isn't an important statistic. It is one of, uh, the most important statistics and tells us a lot about an offense. Uh, and it, and I think it correlates still, I believe still correlates, uh, closely with, uh, you know, runs scored and just a good offense in general. Uh, but that doesn't mean you want cookie cutter players. You, you can't, you can't expect all players to be the same. This is kind of what David Ross, uh, David Ross, uh, Joe Madden, uh, said er, with Javi early on and, and kind of Ross, I believe Ross kind of echoes it. You just let certain players be who they are and let the, their natural talents play. And I think you you can allow that for Javi. And and I think you have a point with Starlin Castro. Maybe they they got a little too cute with it. Uh, you can say that for Jason Hayward when when they first signed him, they tried to make him something that he's not. Uh, get that ball out in front and, and elevate the ball. Right? We can you can do that and then change the contact point. No, that's not how his swing works. That's not how he works. He works. Let the ball get in deep in the zone and take it the other way, and and he'll thrive. 
So uh, there are certain, I, I think you, the ultimate point is don't just assume you can make everyone in the same type of hitter. And you certainly don't want, I think the Cubs are a perfect example of you certainly don't want the same type of hitter up and down the lineup, right? Unless it's a bunch of like uh, uh, Manny Ramirez's or something like that, you know, uh, or I, I guess you could say Anthony Rizzo when he's really locked in. Yeah, sure. You'd love everybody to be like that, but everyone has their own strengths. Let Javi be Javi. Uh, at some point, um, yes, Javi needs to be better than what he's been. Uh, but it, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think he's, a, I mean, I know he's never going to be an on-base guy, right? And, and that doesn't mean he's not going to be good. Uh, so just let him, let him play to his strengths and, and, and I think you'll be happy with the results. So to that end and, and, and tying it to, um, the original, to, what Alex's original question too. So like Sahadev said, want to see Javi going the other way with authority. Want to see him, uh, frankly, making more contact. He's going to offer outside the zone. It's just something he and does. If I could quickly say, he was talking about, the first email was talking about variance with the team. And and I yeah, agree. And like this team has a ton for, of yeah. variance. Yeah, yeah the, this team has a ton of variance, but it got, I think it comes back to my point of their ceiling is ultimately limited because of that lack of ace. I love everything about their ceiling when we talk about what how good can they be i love everything about them except for that missing ace which puts a kind of a like for me that puts a cap you can't reach the dodgers or maybe uh the the yankees or i'm probably missing a great team uh, off the top of my head but you know those elite teams that that we all know are the best of the best uh, they have they have all those little pieces all throughout their team the cubs are missing that one they have everything else if if those guys play up to their potential but also that their their floor is it could be pretty ugly too i think fair enough uh and good questions thank you uh alex and oh no i uh i spaced on you know i'm gonna find sean. it while I'm, I'm filling yeah sean i was like i'm filling space while i click and be like oh, yeah, yeah, sean. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys very much for the emails and to all others please do uh shoot us an email at wavelandathletic at gmail.com we'll give it a read and we will uh, give it our thoughts but also make sure you're uh you know rating and reviewing us wherever you get your podcast that helps us and subscribe tell your friends all that good stuff and we'll be back at you next week hopefully after the cubs bats have awakened from their off-season slumber and uh yeah this is on to waveland i'm brett taylor he's sahadev sharma you can catch my stuff at bleacher nation his at the athletic and we'll talk to you again soon thanks take care